0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night I am your host, Jay Spence the King And this is the Code of Conduct with the King podcast I am back for the seventh time And it is Victory Tuesday Thanksgiving was last week, Thursday And we have a lot to be thankful for The Buffalo Bills are 8-3 We are in control of our own destiny. First in the AFC East with the Miami Dolphins on our heels. It was a good week. I know there are quite a few content creators and beat reporters and other folk who cover the NFL and cover the Buffalo Bills who have... A different perspective. Some people aren't as happy and as pleased with, you know, the victory. Anthony always reminds me, he texts me after the game. This week he he actually tweeted. It's like just checking on my man Jay Spence, making sure he's good. <laughs> Cause normally I'm the one that can't understand that a win is a win. Um the difference is this week, I don't think we have a reason to be upset. I know we're used to Seeing Josh Allen do John Madden type things. Like we're used to Madden 20 or Madden 21 version of Josh Allen, where he's throwing for 300 yards, three touchdowns, and rushing for one as well. We're used to that now. The thing is, we can't get greedy. We won the game. We've been begging to reestablish the run since week one. The Bills reestablished the run. And consequently, it meant that we were using the passing game less and that's okay that's not a bad thing it's okay josh doesn't have to you know josh doesn't have to throw or run for a victory in the same way that we used to in previous years when josh allen you know the the last two years when josh allen played well we won when he didn't play well we lost now we have developed into a team that even when Josh Allen doesn't play MVP caliber football we can still win the game. Even when Josh has a bad turnover late we still can win the game. It's a testament to Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and their leadership and their ability to build a roster. It's a it's definitely a testament to that. But I'm happy. I'm happy It was a victory. I do have a couple of notes that I would like to go over prior to jumping into my interview. I was going to start the episode off, like a lot of my fellow content creators, by giving a a speech to um, to support our guy getting in the Hall of Fame. I feel like you know the main guys: Jim Kelly, Bruce Thurman, Andre, Bill Polian, Ralph. You know the the main guys got into the Hall of Fame, but our man Steve Tasker, our man Steve Tasker, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and I was going to start to show off by you know having like a f- 3 minute 4 minute speech about the greatness of Steve Tasker and everything that he did to change special teams in the NFL the reason why there's a pro bowl position for special teams play is because of people like Steve Tasker or no not because of people like him it's because of Steve Tasker the reason why some people started to finally get paid for special teams play exclusively is because of Steve Tasker the reason why the buffalo bills were as good as they were It wasn't just the fact that we had Thurman and Bruce and Jim and Andre and, and, you know, it it, it wasn't, it wasn't just those guys without that third phase, the team would have had a little bit more rough. It would have been a rough road to make it to four straight Super Bowls without the, without the elite play from Steve Tasker on special teams. However, I'm not going to start off with a speech about Steve Tasker. Instead, I want to take an opportunity to appreciate and start a campaign for Mr. Andre Roberts. This offseason, over the summer, there were a certain number of fans, a part of Bill's Mafia, who did not quite understand the value of Andre Roberts. There were some who wanted Andre Roberts to be cut, traded or whatever. They didn't understand why we were maintaining Andre Roberts on this roster when he isn't a legitimate threat every play as a wide receiver. When we had such a stacked wide receiver room, Everybody's like, "Let's keep Stefan Diggs, let's keep our two rookies, obviously John Brown and Beasley, and then let's throw Duke in there or let's keep so and so or let's add so and so." Everybody just didn't understand why we should keep Andre Roberts. Andre Roberts deserves the respect of every Bills fan. Andre Robert Roberts has the respect of every NFL player, every NFL franchise, and every NFL coach. Andre Roberts is probably the best return man in the game today for both kick returns and punt returns. And if he's not number one, damn it, he's number two. So the first part of this is I would like to... pay some respect and and make a call for Bills Mafia and other content creators to put some respect on Andre Roberts' name. Andre Roberts single-handedly flipped the field for the Buffalo Bills or in the Buffalo Bills' favor multiple times during the game Sunday. In weeks past, all season, Andre Roberts has been changing the The position battle. The position battle has been won by the Buffalo Bills this season more times than not because of Andre Roberts' vision, because of his ability to to find lanes and to see lanes before they open. When you have the luxury of starting your offense on the 40 yard line or close to the 50 yard line, it's a very good chance you're going to score, because even if you don't score a touchdown, you're only 15 yards away from a field goal. Andre Roberts is a big part of why we are eight and three. I know we want to give the credit to Josh Allen. He's having a, a MVP caliber season. He looks very good. He has grown tremendously. Josh Allen has taken steps from being the guy that we saw come into Buffalo from Wyoming as a very raw quarterback who made bad decisions and turned the ball over. And we've watched him grow into this guy that now looks like he's going to dominate in this league for at least the next decade. And Josh Allen deserves a ton of the credit. A ton of the credit for what this offense looks like now. He put in work over the offseason. You can tell that he's studying film. And you can tell that he wants to be great. But we need to recognize that Andre Roberts needs an extension. And I'm going out on a limb. I'm going to start right now. I want to start the campaign. Extend Andre Roberts. Extend Andre Roberts. Do not let Andre Roberts, after this season, whether we win in the playoffs or not, whether we make it to the Super Bowl or not, you do not let a player like Andre Roberts go in free agency. You do not let a player like Andre Roberts go under any circumstances unless it's time for him to retire, and he's nowhere near that place. As long as he is playing at this level, you do everything that you have to do to retain the services of Andre Roberts for your special teams. When the Buffalo Bills plays good defense, And we stop teams and they go three and out. It's helpful because we're getting the ball in a favorable position anyway. And he's running it back. But when they do well and they get to about that 50 yard line and they decide to punt and try to pin us back in the 10 yard line or under the five yard line. Andre Roberts has consistently. Consistently this season. Gotten us out. Of an unfavorable position. And allowed the offense to start in a position that automatically puts the defense in a bad place. Extend Andre Roberts. Extend Andre Roberts. Moving on. The game Sunday. Listen, Justin Herbert is good. Like really, really good. He is really, really good. And the scary thing about it is he's that good as a rookie. The growth that I just talked about in Josh Allen over the first three years of his career, could you imagine if we were able to see Josh Allen the way he is this year as a rookie and then experience a growth from year one to year three? I, I don't even know what we'd be looking at if Josh was able to to grow exponentially the way he has if his floor was originally what Herbert's floor is Justin Herbert is playing lights out he's very very good and that team the LA Chargers are a very good football team the record doesn't show it and I hate to admit this because I love Anthony Lynn but they have a coaching problem they don't have a talent problem they, they remind me a lot of the Buffalo Bills when Rex Ryan was our coach and Anthony Lynn was our offensive coordinator. You lose the close games. You make a lot of bad decisions and bad plays. You have penalties. Just undisciplined. And as much as I was a fan of Anthony Lynn and I was excited for him to get his opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL, listen, it, it, you just gotta, you got to perform. You got to perform. He's an amazing guy. I'm sure the players love him. He's a good coach in that sense. He's a player's coach. But in the NFL, the businesses wins. The businesses wins, which is why I'm not upset that we won Sunday. When it gets time to, when you get to the playoffs and you have to play against the Tennessee Titans and you have to play against the Kansas City Chiefs and Any other team that you would think would be there in the final four, the final six teams of the playoffs. You have to be able to win in multiple ways. If we can only win when Josh Allen is on and when Josh Allen is hot, that spells trouble in the playoffs when good teams know how to scheme against your best thing. So if your best weapon is Josh Allen and they scheme against Josh Allen and they figure out how to stop him or contain him and there's nobody else to step up, and we can't, if we can't establish a run game, that spells trouble for the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs. That spells a first-round exit, just like last year. So I'm not upset. I'm not upset. I do still question Brian Dayball sometimes. In the first half of the game, why are we not scripting Cole Beasley into the offense? Cole Beasley didn't have a catch the entire first quarter, the entire first quarter. He didn't have a target or a catch. During the game, I was texting with Joe and I I text him and I'm like, still haven't. It was halfway through the the second quarter, still haven't scripted Beasley in. And then he throws a touchdown, which is fine. It was a great play. It's a trick play. But Cole Beasley is open on every single play. I'm not understanding why we aren't, when we're not having a successful run game, why aren't we using Cole Beasley and Stefan Diggs as running backs? Why aren't we, and I don't literally mean put them in the backfield and hand the ball off to them. I'm talking about what Tom Brady did in New England to us for years, for almost two decades. He would throw quick quick slants to Julian Edelman or or Wes Welker or whoever was there when Chris Hogan was there for that year Chris Hogan got the luxury of being the running game for New England okay Brian Winters is still is still starting at guard so we still have issues running behind Brian Winters fine so quick slants to Beasley quick slants to Stefan Diggs Will completely change the way this offense looks. I'm almost, I'm almost sure, and I'll have to ask Bruce Nolan if he can take a look at this in 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 the film. I'll even actually, I'll, I'll ask Cover One to take a look at this as well, because they do such a good job with breaking down film and looking at what could have been. So my guess is, I feel that they're legitimately throughout the game could could have been. 25 targets to Beasley where he had separation on the receiver and could have made a play now I get Josh doesn't look at him for every play and it's not the first read but damn it we gotta we gotta get Cole more involved and I'm saying this as he's having a career year so far I just feel like there's more opportunity there's so much space for him to do more so much space but speaking of Beasley Listen, Diggs is the number one wide receiver that we all wanted. But we still didn't realize that we would appreciate him the way that we do. He is more than just a a good target for Josh to throw to. He's so much more than that. We haven't gotten these type of calls on offense. The pass interference calls, it seems like almost weekly he's getting a pass interference or a holding call against the defense automatic first down or first down ball at the spot of the foul that 40-yard bomb that Josh threw to him that drew a a pass interference in the first quarter is what set us up to, to take the lead early in years past we didn't we didn't get those calls we didn't get those calls with Sammy Watkins we didn't get those calls with John Brown last year we damn sure didn't get those calls with Kelvin Benjamin so now you have Stefan Diggs and he's just doing things that makes Josh so much better, even when he's not playing well. When Josh isn't pinpoint accurate, which he is for the most part, when he puts the ball on you, the ball is on you. He has plays here or there where it's not. But this year, Josh is playing lights out. But Stefan Diggs is making plays that we just weren't we weren't ready for as a fan base. And that's the honest God truth. I love you, Steph. Happy birthday to you, man. Happy belated birthday. Sunday, you got the victory on your birthday. I hope you were able to, you know, hope somebody on the team treated you to some good wings or a nice steak, something. One more thing before I move on to the interview. Brian Winters is trash. Brian Winters is trash. I'm not going to go into that point. I just wanted to bring it up. He's trash. Absolute trash. Like, yeah, he's not trash. He's an NFL player. He's obviously more of an athlete than me. I am sitting at a computer talking into a microphone and he works out and he hits guys for a living. So he's obviously not trash. But in the grand scheme of things, when we're talking about talent, And we're talking about the talent that is going against him, that's trying to get to Josh or trying to get to motor and Zach Moss when they're in the backfield. He's just not matching up. His talent level just doesn't match the talent on the other side of the ball. And I'm I'm getting so frustrated, like I'm sure a ton of Bill's mafia is, with the amount of times that Josh Allen is being hit and it seems to be Brian Winter's fault. I'm sure Bills Mafia is starting to become frustrated or they've been we've all been frustrated since he got signed. With the amount of times that Josh turns around to hand the ball off and before Zach Moss can touch the ball, he has two guys touching his feet. Now, it was a nice call by Brian Dayball when he had the delayed handoff to motor in the first quarter or the second quarter. I believe it was the second. No, the second quarter was the was the screen. The screen was the beginning of the third quarter, I believe, and the delayed handoff to, to to motor was in the second quarter. Great job switching it up. I'd also like to say great job in the third quarter of coming out and still being aggressive. We still seem to have some type of third quarter curse or third quarter curse, I should say. But no, it was a, it was a far better effort for me in the third quarter offensively. No, we still allowed them to kind of get back into the game. We still allowed them to do some things that would drive every Bills fan crazy. And I'm sure I probably gained two or three new white gray hairs on the top of my head. I'm sure of it. But it makes it entertaining. It makes it worth it. Definitely makes it worth it. So. but listen, I am excited today. I have a very, very special guest joining me Uh met this gentleman on Twitter. He's somebody who follows the 49ers closely. So we're just going to get into a a quick little preview of the game for next week. We're going to talk about uh, where the 49ers stand so far in the season. We're going to talk about all their injuries, uh, the news that came out today about the home games for the rest of the season being played in Arizona as opposed to being played in California due to some of the restrictions that California has now put in place for the control or to try and at least minimize the effects of COVID-19. So we do talk about that. We talk a little bit about Jimmy G. He has a take that I was not ready for. So (laughs) we will hear it. He definitely had a take that I wasn't ready for. Uh, But so, yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll have a good time. So I hope everybody enjoys it. Please leave some comments. Let me know how you feel. Next week, next week, I will have the Buffalo Bills all-time leader in points scored. Steve Christie joining me on Code of Conduct, I might actually speak to him and and try to plan some things because of the fact that uh, it is a Monday night game and typically my show comes out Tuesday mornings. So you have it on the way to work and you can listen to it throughout the day. What I am thinking about doing is actually, um, I'm thinking I might do a a remix of The Chop Up and try to go live with him uh, Tuesday evening. So that way everybody's off from work and everybody has um, you know, it's done with everything they got to do. And then Tuesday night, maybe seven 30, 8 PM, go live with Mr. Christie and, and just chop it up. And then I'll mix it, edit it, get everything loaded up for you to listen to it in podcast form if you weren't able to catch it. So I'm thinking that that's the route I'm going to take. I will keep everybody updated and, and posted. So we'll kind of know, but yeah, all time. Leader in point scored for the Buffalo Bills. Steve Christie is joining me next week on the code of conduct, possibly on the chop up. So uh stay tuned. Got some big things coming up. Got some really, really big things coming up. Actually, I'm very, very excited about it. So enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy this interview. Take care of each other and love each other. It's a Jay Spence exclusive. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this week's special guest joining me. I have a very good quality content creator from, from the Bay Area joining me, Mr. Jordan Elliott, a contributor for the 49ers Web Zone. How's it going today, Jordan? Uh, doing pretty good. How you doing? Man, I'm doing good. We're both celebrating this week. So it's a victory. Uh, You know, the show is out Tuesday, but we're recording this on Monday. So it's a victory Monday for both, the you know, for you and myself. Mm-hmm. Um, How do you feel, man? I mean, you, you just... You just beat the, we, we kind of just talked about it for a second prior to recording. You guys just beat the Rams, who a lot of people kind of feel like is still a pretty decent team this year. Uh,
1: you know, I I think it shows off the grit that the team has. Um, there definitely still is that sort of, you know, the cliche like championship DNA um, on the roster. Uh, I think they're very well coached on both sides of the ball, and they showed that. Um, I do, however, think that it is a little bit uh, more matchup-based than just like talent-based. For whatever reason, they match up really well with the Rams, Um, and I think that that played a big part into why they were able to do some of the things they did, uh, particularly on defense. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that the Rams are a very, very good team. They're very balanced, but for whatever reason, they seem to be outmatched physically whenever they play the 49ers, Um, and I think that showed itself yesterday uh, as the Rams really struggled to get anything going in the run game. Uh, they had the big run by Akers, uh, I believe, towards the end of the third quarter. Uh, but other than that, the run game really wasn't doing too much for them, and as a result, they weren't able to set up that play action that they love to run with Goff where he's on the boot. Uh, so I think that that played a big part in it. Um, and I also think that uh, just for whatever reason, uh, the, the offense was able to – you know, squeeze the most out of its playmakers, uh, truthfully, you know, anybody who's on the 49er side, who's seen my opinion, they know how I feel. I don't think the 49ers really have a serviceable quarterback on the roster. Uh, but what they were able to do is they were able to get the ball in the hands of a playmaker like Debo Samuel repetitively. And he was able to sort of pick up the slack and kind of, you know, carry the defense or sorry, carry the offense, um, to a win that I really didn't think they would get. I'm pleasantly surprised as a fan of the team. Uh, But I definitely think that it's just more reflective of how well they match up with the Rams than it is, you know, the 49ers are back. Because they did, uh, you know, Sherman played again for the first time in, it's been almost three months. Um, Mm -hmm. Debo was out for the last three games. uh, So they did get some help back. uh, But I just don't think that, it's 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 more the matchup than it is, you know, the 49ers are back and they're, you know, back in this thing contending. You know, I, I, they're only one game out of a playoff spot right now, uh, but they have a gauntlet of a schedule coming up starting with, you know, the Bills this week, uh, which is going to be a really tough game for them. Uh, so I'm not putting too much stock into it until they start piling, you know, stringing together a couple wins.
0: Well, one of the things you just said before I move forward to, to you guys playing the Bills – um, you just said you don't think that the team has like a serviceable quarterback on the roster. Now, are you saying that are you saying that with Jimmy being injured, like being on injured reserve? So you're not including him or are you including Jimmy Garoppolo?
1: I'm including Jimmy. I think that Jimmy is more than capable of executing when the run game is there. Things are going right. And Kyle Shanahan is doing his thing, being a brilliant play caller and play designer. Uh, But as we've seen many times this year, when that doesn't work, he seems to struggle uh, processing the field. Uh, He's throwing the ball to spots he shouldn't be. He's taking sacks that he shouldn't be. You know, no quarterback is perfect. I totally get that. But the problem is the 49ers paid Jimmy a lot of money. He's only been available for about half the games that he's been eligible to play. Since then, he's been getting hurt a lot. Injuries happen. I'm not holding it against the guy, but if you're going to only be available half the time, you'd better, you know, make sure that the half the time you are there, you're pretty much playing above average and playing to what you're being paid to get. And he, for whatever reason, just hasn't been able to do that uh, this year. He struggled. You know, week one it was a weird off season, so I get it. But he really struggled against the Cardinals. His final stat line didn't look. Forward. He had about 250 passing yards and a couple touchdowns, but he, he was making some throws that were just awful. He was missing receivers. And it's okay, you know, it's it's the week week one, it happens. And then he gets hurt week two against the Jets. So he's been playing on a damaged ankle. Uh, they said it was good enough to return when he came back uh, against uh, the Rams and Patriots in Seattle. I don't think it was against Miami. Uh, but my issue with Jimmy is that he's had the same flaws he's had for years where he is forcing the ball into spots he shouldn't, He is missing throws that he shouldn't miss. Uh, And, you know, he makes a lot of really great throws. He throws a lot of balls into tight windows between the numbers because he really excels between the hashes when he's throwing over the middle. And he has a very quick release. But the issue is, the longer he's been in the league, I believe more teams have that on tape. And they're essentially taking away the run game by putting seven or eight in the box and sort of clogging the middle where he likes to throw over and uh, cutting off those crossing routes and underneath routes. And sort of daring him to throw deep. And he has been awful throwing the ball deep. If I recall correctly, on throws 15 yards or more down the field, he's like five of 18 with no touchdowns and four interceptions. Uh, and it's, you know, not not every quarterback has a cannon. Not every quarterback is Josh Allen, you know, who's going to throw the right. ball 40, 50 yards downfield. But at some point, you kind of, the defense has to respect your ability to beat them over the top. And this year, uh, the 49ers are averaging. Uh, almost a yard and a half less per carry on first down. They run the ball about half the time on first down. I believe it's at 51%. Uh, and last year they were at 4.3 yards a carry. This year they're at 3.1. And there's a lot that goes into that, but I think a lot of it is the defenses aren't respecting the fact that they could get beat over the top, and they're just selling out to stop the run. And, you know, it's painful for a lot of 49ers fans, but that's really what happened in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. The Chiefs just started putting eight in the box, and they dared them. To beat them through the air and there was a lot of really easy just simple crossing route throws slants over the middle that for whatever reason didn't get executed and I'm at the point where you know a a lot of 49ers seem like they want they're comparing Jimmy to people like to the backup like Nick Mullins or they're comparing him to you know subpar quarterbacks and when you're in a division with Russell Wilson and now Kyler Murray and even Jared Goff you know who had he had a stinker of a game yesterday but is still a talented quarterback. You need a quarterback that's going to be consistent and is going to compete week in and week out. And unfortunately, at this point, I just, you know, he doesn't have an elite arm. He doesn't really have an elite, you know, I don't want to say mental game. Like he, he, he's not elite processing the field. Uh, his ACL injury has limited his mobility. He's not very fast. He's not very mobile in the pocket. He's not really going to duck out of sacks. His pocket awareness isn't great. So my whole thing is, is it's what really does he do well that justifies the cap hit that he's in, you know, incurring, and what makes you believe that he's going to be the guy to push them over the top when it was, you know, basically given to him on a silver platter last year. You know, they had four drives to score in the fourth quarter. If they score once, then they win the game in the Super Bowl, and they couldn't really do much of anything. Uh, and you know, it's a team effort, but uh, the blame needs to fall on the most important position on the field, in my opinion, which is the quarterback. So. I just basically, long story short, I've had my doubts for a long time, but when he was winning, you know, I don't like to complain when the team wins. Uh, you know, when winning is why you play the game. Right. Uh, but as the defense has gone, you know, they lost Buckner, uh, they lost Bosa, D. Ford's been hurt, Sherman was hurt for a lot of the year. Um, and the defense still, you know, held up its end. It, they played very well, but they weren't that, you know, crushing unit that they were last year, uh, where they were just suffocating opposing offenses. Uh, and as that happened, more was pl- placed on Jimmy's plate. And I just don't think that he was able to really deliver. Um, and it's tough because, you know, he has been hurt this year. And that's the, you know, the common consensus along among a lot of fans is that it's not a fair, you know, season to judge him. But if you go back and you watch the game film, he's had the same problems for a couple of years. It's just masked by the fact that they were winning and they had a very good run game in defense last year. So my thing is that just, you know, in the, The modern NFL, if you don't have a mobile quarterback that can extend plays with their legs and isn't going to, you know, spread the field by making defenses respect the deep ball, you're going to need everything to go perfect, really, to execute on offense at a high level. And as we've seen this year, you know, in 2020, not just in sports, life's unpredictable. And, you know, you can't count on the situation being perfect every single year. You're going to need a quarterback who can adapt and improvise. So I I, I definitely uh, hold out hope that the 49ers front office sees that too. And they make a plan to, I don't want to say cut ties because that sounds kind of cruel, but just kind of move on uh, and amicably part ways and sort of find a guy that fits the modern NFL better than I believe Jimmy does.
0: Wow, man. It's, um, it's, it's an interesting take to hear outside looking in. So I'm not a 49ers fan, which is obvious. This is a bill show, but, Mm -hmm. um, the, the thing is, so as a Bills fan, I've lived through the J.P. Lossmans, the Rob Johnsons, the E.J. Manuals. You know, I could go on. I, I have a list that I could keep going with mm-hmm. where, you know, since Jim Kelly, um, we probably may have had two, maybe three quarterbacks that you can really say, OK, these guys were pretty good. But we still didn't make the playoffs. So for me, it's like. Outside looking in, it's like this guy just was in the Super Bowl and and, you know the general feeling that I'm getting when I do talk to 49ers fans is the one that you just gave me is that, you know what? Yeah, he is, you know, he did take us to the Super Bowl, but we would move on. If, um if there was another quarterback who, who looked more like you mentioned a modern quarterback or somebody who a scrambling a quarterback, not necessarily Lamar Jackson of a scrambler, but just somebody who can extend a play and still, you know, just help the offense out and and help to win games. That's that's just really interesting to me, man. Like, I would have given anything to have Jimmy G the year that he was traded to you guys from New England.
1: You know, and I think, truthfully, so 49ers fans were in the same boat as you. I know it's not as, you know, the Bills have gone through a much tougher stretch as fans. And I I truly admire Bills fans. They're definitely my favorite fan base outside of my own. Mm -hmm. I've always loved the Bills Mafia thing. I love the support they give. I love that they're out there selling out a stadium when it's, you know, 10 degrees outside. Uh, so I don't want to, you know, have a pity party on our end, especially after they were just in the Super Bowl a few years ago, you know, with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, but and the, the the problem that I have is that we were starved for a few years too, because and it's like I said, it's not the same. It was nowhere near as long, but there was, you know, I grew up going to games at Candlestick. My my dad had season tickets at Candlestick, so I grew up going to games watching tim Rattay and ken dorsey and you know and the, the years after garcia between garcia and even you know alex smith at the beginning of his career and sean hill and trent dilfer and all these guys so i never really got to see you know the elite quarter that you know the best quarterback i've probably ever seen play is uh, for the 49ers is you know kaepernick maybe garcia you know garoppolo is probably even in that conversation and when the 49ers traded for him in 2017 he kind of represented a hope for the team like you know this guy's you know gonna be the future and then he won you know at the time he won five games in a row, so we were all juice. We were all like, okay, this guy's the you know, he's the messiah, he's coming in to save our franchise. Yeah. When you go back and look at it, you know, they beat two teams that finished with less than five wins. They beat a Rams team that didn't play any of their starters because they were in the playoffs and it was week seventeen. But he didn't play well. They beat the Titans who were a playoff team, and they beat the Jaguars who were a playoff team. So there was a lot of optimism. I think the issue is he physically has uh, been set back greatly because of his ACL. I'm no quarterback guru. I'm not going to pretend I'm a quarterback coach, but just from my own, you know, eye test, his mechanics are very off, and they look very different compared to when he first arrived here and when he was in New England. Mm-hmm. And you can tell he doesn't. He still has issues, I believe, mentally trusting that leg, and it's caused his uh, entire mecha- throwing mechanics to be altered. And I think that that's caused him to regress significantly because of the way that he is not trusting that front leg and he is you know throwing with his he's always thrown with his back foot being lifted off the ground. Uh, and I think it, it ends up being a little bit too premature when he does. Uh, and like I said, he has a very quick release. His arm talent in the short to intermediate is very good. Uh, I would say it's elite to be honest. But I just I think that he's regressed significantly so much to the point where, you know, I had I have, I have a lot of friends and a lot of fan bases around the league. And I had a lot of people last year that kept telling me, you know, this team is so good. The quarterback position is the only thing holding you guys back. And I'm like, no, this guy, he wins. It doesn't matter. You know, they find a way he wins. And after, you know, a few months after the Super Bowl, I'm able to, you know, separate myself from my own fandom and kind of look at it objectively, I can see where people were coming from. Where, you know, the rest of the team is so good that poor quarterback play really is what I believe held them back. So I understand from an outsider's perspective, especially if you've had, you know, a tough time with quarterbacks that it comes off kind of, you know, uh, like, woe is me with the, you know, complaining about a quarterback that just went to the Super Bowl.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I kind of jokingly say this when 49ers fans bring that up and they say, well, you just took him to the Super Bowl. I'm like, you know, Rex Grossman took the Bears to the Super Bowl and lost. They had a 13 and three right. record. They had a really good offense, and you know what happened? They ended up not doing very much for the next few years because that defense started to get old. They started to, you know, lose players to free agency. Uh, it's You can't keep a defensive core intact like that for very long. And, you know, I, I think Jimmy is better than Rick, Rex Grossman, but I think that, the you know, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl with the Ravens. No offense to Trent Dilfer. I don't think Trent Dilfer is, you know, a franchise quarterback worth the money that Jimmy's being paid. Uh, right. Absolutely. So I, I, I try, you know, I try to keep it in perspective. Like, you know, I'm very, I'm grateful that we do have a good quarterback. It could very well be worse, but I also look at it from the aspect of Kyle Shanahan's clearly limiting the play calling that he's, that he's choosing to use. He's definitely not calling the entire offense that he would like to. Uh, he does not push the ball down the field. And to be honest, it's incredible that they're able to score the amount of points that they do just running, you know, I don't say gimmicky plays, but a lot of gadget stuff, a lot of jet sweeps, a lot of, you know, just pre-snap motion and, you know, bubble screens and stuff where they're not really pushing the ball downfield. And I think a lot of that is just because he just doesn't trust any of the three quarterbacks. And it's not just Jimmy, you know, it's Mullins, it's Beathard. I I just don't think that there's very much trust there between Shanahan and the QB room.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I guess to your point, every point that you're making, I, I get it. Um, I like I said it's just being a Bills fan it's just like man it's crazy to me because even to your to your last point that you were just making and then we can move on um, to, to the future now but um, even to the last point you're like talking about the Super Bowl and it's like man it, we haven't been in a Super Bowl since like 93 so so even for me it's like you've been there a couple times and so like the couple years of bad times it just amazes me because, like, now I talk to Patriots fans and like they're they're acting like they're in hell, and it's like, yeah. dude, you just lost Tom Brady. Like, yeah. you guys were good. Like, literally, um, I did an interview with a guy who uh, I'm trying to think of where he. Uh, he he's actually part of um, like the Buffalo Rumblings sister um, station out there, mm-hmm. and he he basically said like, since his daughter was born, they were in the AFC East Chan- or the AFC Championship every year up until her third. Grade or so. I I don't even know. It's just insane to me. And then they have a bad year, and it's just like they're, you know, like like you mentioned earlier. Bills fans were selling out the Ralph Wilson Stadium when it was like five degrees. We were well. We really didn't have too many horrible years. We more so had like mediocre years where we're Mm -hmm. like eight and eight, nine and seven, you know, a couple times or seven and nine. We had those type of years where we weren't like horrible. We competed, but we just weren't winning. Mm -hmm. so it's just it's just a a crazy thing for me but moving on uh from the quarterback situation because i do we will circle back around to that as far as talking about the game uh but first things first we just got the news today that the the remain the remaining home games for the 49ers will be played in phoenix arizona uh, at the state farm arena or stadium whatever it is Uh, um it's it's good and bad i guess for the bills point of view um the the good thing for the 49ers point of view i was looking it up for away games you guys actually play very well on the road this year you guys are 4 and 2 on the road at home you are like a, a very 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 pedestrian 1 and 4 so in a sense an away game for a home game could play to your benefit. What do you think about um the away game or home game technically being away in that sense? And then, you know, with, with it being this week against the Buffalo Bills football team, what do you think? Um what do you think about this game coming up? What's your outlook?
1: So the with the COVID stuff, you know, I I'm totally on the side of I, I appreciate any anybody that's taking extra caution. I understand how serious it is. Uh, the biggest issue I have, like I live in Santa Clara County. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm actually, you know, about a mile and a half from where the 49ers play at Levi's stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest issue I have is that there wasn't really any warning that they gave the team. Uh, they just kind of, and there, there wasn't really much warning for the citizens either. You know, they just kind of announced it, uh, that they were, you know, rolling back these restrictions and rolling out this stuff. Uh, which, you know, I totally understand they're trying to, you know, be as safe as possible. Uh, I do think that it put the 49ers at kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say a tough position, but it it definitely was kind of, you know, difficult, I'm sure, to hear. That you not only can't play, but you can't practice. Like, their whole entire facility is right, at next, right next door to the stadium. Uh, so I believe, I, from what I've heard, they've had a plan in place in case this happened uh, for months now. So I imagine there was some kind of dialogue with the Cardinals well before the season started, you know, if we have an emergency uh, the, being the 49ers, you know, would we be able to use your stadium? And I think that it's at least a stadium that the 49ers are familiar with. They play there once a year. Uh, they've had moderate success there in recent years. I think they're comfortable playing there. And that stadium out there in Glendale in Arizona, it's a beautiful stadium. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think it's better than them ending up playing, you know, at a you know high school field or at the Coliseum or some of the other ideas that I saw floated out. Uh, I definitely think it could be worse, um, but I think that it is, you know, difficult sometimes uh, as sports fans. I think we forget that athletes are human beings, and uh, it's it's definitely difficult that these guys aren't going to be able to be uh, in. Because the, the the rule that came out, I don't know if you saw, uh, if you come to back to Santa Clara County from being 150 miles out, uh, you have to quarantine for two weeks. So feasibly, the team can't take two weeks to quarantine if they come back. So a lot of these guys who have family and friends or whatever their living situation is locally here, uh, they won't be able to come back for at least the next three weeks. And uh, I think that that's that's definitely an element that I I feel for the players because as much as, you know, people talk about how much money they make and they're, you know, there to do their jobs and all that, uh, they're still human beings. And I can empathize with the fact that they're going to be, they're forced to be away from home. uh, And it's a little bit different than, you know, sometimes they go on a couple week road trips to the East Coast and stuff like that. Uh, but I think it's just a little different with the uncertainty and everything going on, um, and it's, it's not something that you really – you know, with that in that case, you kind of plan for that. Uh, you have the schedule well before the season starts. So um, I, I don't think it will affect the play too much, but I definitely think that there is a human element that needs to be considered where, you know, I, I do feel for the guys that won't be able to be near their families, and uh, I, I think that it will ultimately kind of, you know – work itself out Uh, but I definitely think that it is uh, it's unfortunate but at the same time it is you know there's there's plenty of people struggling with far worse things this year Uh, and I I think that the the 49ers are aware of that Uh, so I definitely think that it will work itself out in time Uh, and it's gonna be very interesting to watch them be the home team in a different stadium Yeah, Uh, But, you know, without the fans this year, too, though, uh, there's not really much competitive advantage, in my opinion, to being at home, just like you cited the the win-loss record. 49ers have been awful at home uh, for the most part, and they've been pretty good on the road. So I don't think that the traditional home field advantage has much, you know, sway this year outside of the travel and staying in the hotel and all those little things. Uh, So I'm I'm definitely looking for it to be – not like not I don't think that it will greatly affect the outcome um, and if you want I can jump into you know what I think about the game. I think that the 49ers showed that they have uh, the pieces to compete with anybody. I definitely don't think that they're uh, the the kind of team that you would expect to walk all over if you're a good team playing a team with its backup quarterback and riddled with injuries. Uh, I think that they've definitely displayed uh, that, like we were talking about earlier, that like, kind of championship DNA, that grit that they have. Uh, a, lot, a lot of guys uh, really do you know, believe on that team that they still have a chance to make a run this year. So I definitely don't see them rolling over. I just, they, they struggle so much with mobile quarterbacks. And I think so many people forget because he's so big and he has such a big arm how mobile Josh Allen is. Uh, and I could just see a scenario where he's terrorizing the defense by extending plays. Uh, the, the, the thing the 49ers do so well is their DNs get in that wide nine on passing downs and they get upfield very fast in their pass rush. But what ends up happening is if the quarterback's mobile and they're able to break that contain, they end up getting so much daylight that they're able to take, you know, a third and 12, a third and 10 and turn it into a 15, 20 yards uh, scramble. And, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Josh Allen's. I watch him play a lot, and I think a lot of people that don't might not understand how quick the guy is and how mm-hmm. fast he moves. And because he's so big, he, you know, he takes big strides. Uh, so I worry that the defense will have a tough time uh, sort of containing him. And uh, Stephon Diggs is an incredible quarterback – or, sorry, an uh, incredible wide receiver. Sorry about that. And the 49ers are rolling out their best set of corners they've had all year, but – They've been torched before. Uh, you know, DK had an incredible game against them earlier in the season. Uh, you know, when they played Miami, Devontae Parker and Preston Williams were kind of eating them up. Uh, so I'm kind of worried that Diggs is going to have a really big game, too. Um, it's it's concerning for me because I just don't think that the 49ers are going to be able to match points with the Bills ultimately. Uh, I know that's a very. Uh, <laughs> basic take but i just i don't see it being a defensive struggle uh and i can see the bills just sort of pulling away with the 49ers offense not being able to keep up
0: yeah that's kind of where i was gonna go like the the next question was basically gonna say you know this this past sunday it looks like you guys had like a a balanced running attack uh not not where you had like a superstar effort you didn't have one guy with 120 yards and then a couple other guys you had you know two guys in the 45 to 50 yard range and then mm-hmm. You know your quarterback, Mother's played pretty well. You know I know he had the interception, but he two hundred something yards, pretty decent. Um, the the question I was going to ask is is your offense capable? Which is weird for me to ask because in years past the Buffalo Bills haven't had electric offenses. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been very anorexic. So like now for me to to say, hey, do you think your guys can can put up enough points to compete with Josh Allen and the offense over here in Buffalo? Um. What would your – so what you're saying that you don't think that they can? Um,
1: I, I think that they will struggle greatly to do it because I think that the Bills are able to put up points so quickly, whereas the 49ers are forced to be very methodical. Uh, What we've seen in recent weeks, like when they went into New Orleans, the first drive they had was scripted very well. They went – you know, Kyle's very good at those first, you know, 10 to 15 plays. Mm-hmm. But once it gets beyond that, uh, when teams are able to kind of weather that storm – um, they, they start to get less, they get more predictable, and it's a bit easier, I think, for opposing defensive coordinators uh, to call plays and, you know, sort of slow down the 49ers because they are so dependent on uh, running the ball, getting the ball to, you know, Debo Samuel, uh, running the, the gadget plays, the end arounds, the jet sweeps and stuff. Uh, so I definitely think that, uh, you know, I know the Bills defense isn't as good as it's been in years past because they've been one of the best in the league in years past. And, I, um, you know, you correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I've seen, it seems like the, they sort of switched places with the offense. The offense seems to be carrying yeah. a bit more of the load this year. Uh, but the defense still does have very good playmakers on it. Edmonds is very good. Uh, you know, Poyer and Hyde are, in my opinion, the best safety duo in the league. I think Tredavious White is in the conversation, if not the best cornerback in the league. Uh, So I definitely think that they have the personnel to match up well with the 49ers. I I do know that there's been some issues, uh, you know, defending the run at points, but I think that ultimately what will happen is the bills will get out to a lead and the 49ers will be forced to throw. And then I think that's when the the biggest issue will arise uh, and they'll be in a position um, where they're going to be forced to throw against a defense that I believe is better than the stats would indicate against the pass. And I just don't feel comfortable with them being in a position where they have to throw the ball downfield because the 49ers have been good enough this year when they are able to do exactly what you mentioned and have a rotating stable of running backs and have Debo Samuel and uh, Ayuk running these short to intermediate routes where they're getting the ball in their hands and design plays to pick up yards after the catch. Uh, But when you lose the flexibility of running the ball and calling play action, they've been absolutely terrible. And that tends to happen when they get behind big. And uh, that's just my biggest concern is that they won't uh, hang in there early. And I think that the Bills could jump out to a quick 10-0, 14-0 lead. Okay. And it will ultimately Mm -hmm. dictate what Shanahan will be able to do with the offense.
0: Well, let me ask you this then. um, And then we'll give you some time to to let everybody know where they can find your work. Um, I was reading one of your articles earlier where you were talking about – I forget the exact name of it actually here. It was the, the most recent, the most recent one about how they can find value in a lost season. The thing is, um, I don't I don't know, man. I, I, and I know you don't think that um there's a quarterback there this year, and I know um I I, I get that there's a hill to climb, but there's still there's still hope for, for the season. Um you know, you guys aren't completely out of it. So with that being said, if you guys were to win this week what is, you know, what's the key to your victory? And then after that, what's, what's your outlook for the game? What do you think will happen? So if I called you up next Monday night after the game and say, Hey, Jordan, man, what's going on? What do you think that, what do you think that, uh, you know, the final will be? Uh,
1: so uh, I'll give you the keys of the game. First of all is they have to stop whatever running game gets going. Uh, they they have to basically force the bills into situations where they know they're going to be passing, stop the early down run, uh, the 49ers defense has actually been really good on third down this year, but the flexibility needs to be taken away where they just basically need to know that the, the bills will be in a straight drop back and throwing for the first down. So if they're able to slow down those attempts to run early, I think that it'll give them a much better chance um, if they're able to, you know, sort of make what Buffalo is going to call a, a little bit more predictable. Uh, the defense will definitely have to carry the load in this game. Um, offensively, I think that they're just going to need to control the ball and not necessarily, you know, s- score, but control the clock to the point where they're not putting the defense on the field so quickly after coming off and sort of, you know, allowing the defense, uh, you know, I'm not saying go super conservative, but definitely focus more on chewing clock than just driving straight down the field. And, you know, because what ends up happening when they do that with the personnel they have currently they end up getting a quick three and out or something. And then the defense coming off of stop goes back out. And as we saw in the game against the Rams, the defense played really good for two and a half quarters, three quarters almost. And then as the offense kept stalling repetitively and putting them back on the field, you know, the dam essentially started to break and the defense can only do so much in its current state. Uh, I think a lot of people forget how many players they are missing on both sides of the ball. So I definitely think uh, focusing more on field possession or field position and time of possession uh, rather than just trying to, you know, match scoring drives with the Bills will be a big, big key for them. Uh, if they are somehow able to win the game, I would put a lot more stock into that victory than I did against the Rams. Uh, I don't really like putting too much stock into divisional games because it's such a familiar opponent. Uh, the, the coaches, the personnel, the scouting department, the team—like they—they they all know each other so well that it—I I don't think it reflects the talent. As you know, as a Bills fan. How many years did a subpar, you know, New York Jet or Miami Dolphin team beat a Super Bowl winning Patriot team in a divisional right. game? Right. And it doesn't, you know, it, it just ends up happening every year. Uh, so I wouldn't, I would put far more stock into it if they were able to. Uh, I think the outcome of the game certainly matters. You know, if Josh Allen goes out there and he just plays terribly, he throws a bunch of interceptions, and he doesn't look like himself, then you know, I might be inclined to you know think, oh, you know, maybe the defense is really good, but also you know maybe it just was an off day. But if they go out and they win convincingly, uh, I would definitely feel a lot more comfortable about their chances moving forward. Um, ultimately, I just think that the matchups for them aren't very great uh, because after they play uh, the Bills, they play they end up playing uh, the Washington football team, who has a, just a tremendous D line, uh, and I think that that would bode terribly for the 49ers who've been just terrible in pass protection this year. Uh, I think that they have a reasonable shot to beat Dallas. uh, But the Arizona and Seattle games at the end of the year, you know, the divisional games, anything could happen. But my whole thing is that I'm not getting my hopes up that they're back and they're making a run because I understand how high of a hill that is to climb. I'd rather be pleasantly surprised and come in with reasonable expectations than get on this train of, oh, you know, they're back. They won a game. Here they come because that's what happened, you know. It's happened to me twice this year. I'm not going to lie. They the they beat the Jets and Giants convincingly uh, with Mullins playing a, you know, a game and a half. And I was like, man, they put up 33 with their backup quarterback. You know, here we come. They're going to be great. They're playing the Eagles. The Eagles haven't been very good. And then they ended up losing that game to the Eagles. They ended up losing the next week just embarrassingly to Miami. And I was like, OK, you know what? Maybe, you know, this year there's too many injuries. It's just not their year. They came back, they beat the Rams on Sunday night, they beat the Patriots convincingly in New England, and I'm like, hey, you know, here they are, they're back, they're right back in it, and then they proceed to lose three straight. So it's just, yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to temper my expectations and just, you know, like I said, be, I'd rather be pleasantly surprised than get my hopes up and be let down. Uh, and I think just objectively, if I look at it and I remove my emotional bias as a fan, I don't see them winning more than two games for the rest of the season, which would put them at seven and nine if they were able to win the two games. And that's definitely not going to be good enough to make the playoffs this year. And I think the fact that they're still fighting week in and week out says a lot about the culture that they haven't just packed it in. I think it's good that they're not, you know, I know, I know a lot of fans are wanting, you know, tanking and they want them to just tank for a better draft pick. And, you know, I've argued that a, t- a tangible, you know, better draft pick is a more tangible asset than, you know, the moral victory of not giving up and fighting week in and week out. But that's uh, you know, a long-term, like, in hindsight, kind of opinion. In the moment, you always want your team to go out there and compete. You don't want guys giving up. You, the, the objective of the sport is to win the games, and you want them to go out and do it. I just don't really feel that... I, I don't have too much optimism that they will. And like I said, if they end up winning this week, I would be pleasantly surprised, uh, just like I was yesterday when they beat the Rams. But I'm just not going to – I'm not going into any of these games with the expectation that they're going to win. Even when they play Washington and Dallas, I'm not going into those games like, you know, oh, they got this wrapped up. And that's honestly how – I hate to sound cocky, but that's how it felt last year for the majority of the games. They were so good that it was almost a letdown when they did lose. Like, you were going Mm -hmm. into these games feeling like, hey, they they could hang with anybody and that they had a shot to beat just about anybody. Uh, This year, I definitely don't feel that way.
0: All right. Well, um, you know i can i can for the first time in a long time i can relate as a bills fan like this year we feel like you know what there's games that we're supposed to win like i was disappointed with the arizona game it's like Mm -hmm. you know we were supposed to beat the cardinals and i get that it was a hail mary and you know we were supposed to beat those guys like right now i feel like we should definitely be nine and two instead of eight and three but you know we are where we are and uh you know, it's, it's, it's a fun ride. So good luck to you guys for the rest of the season, man. Besides this, this upcoming Monday, <laughs> you know, good luck to you. Uh, why don't you let everybody know where they can find your work? Like I said, I was reading one of your articles earlier. If you want to let them know where they can find your work and find you, follow you wherever you are. And, uh, and yeah, thanks.
1: Thanks. Yeah. Uh, you can find my work at uh, 49ers web zone. Uh, I generally do editorials for them. So if you go to the editorial section, a lot of my stuff's in there. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, my name's just splash underscore cousin. Um, uh, yeah. You know, just general 49ers. Talk. I love talking about, you know, the whole, the league in general, I am a 49ers fan, but you know, I respect the game in itself. So um always happy yeah. to talk about other stuff. Uh, and I, thank see you, uh,
0: <laughs> I also see you, you have some basketball takes every now and again as well. So I have, you know,
1: I'm a diehard warriors fan. Uh, yeah. and I, and I, you know, that's, that's probably where we can relate more in terms of fandom. You know, I remember a lot of really bad years when the warriors were just awful. Got you. No, you're right. Um, so the, you're the right. The past few years have been a blessing. Uh, you know, I, I, heartbroken about clay thompson this year it's really a bummer but uh you know i'm excited that the nba seems to be back in a very competitive state where it's kind of you know anybody's shot at the trophy
0: yeah well Um, yeah it, it it broke my heart to hear about clay this year and um you know i'm a lakers fan so this year coming up man you know the season's starting in, in less than a month now so trust me you and i will we'll have a ton of interaction back and forth where we'll be talking some some fun stuff man so but again thank you so much everybody i will make sure to tag jordan uh in this post where i, I dropped the episode again thank you so much man good luck everybody you know the drill take care of each other love each other and live in peace Code of conduct.